On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks defeated the Edmonton Oilers 4-3 in overtime last night thanks to a beautiful play from none other than Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit. I'll be going over a full recap of the Blackhawks' win on Nicholas Jalmerson's legacy night. Then, I'll also provide a quick preview of the Hawks' upcoming matchup tomorrow afternoon with the Philadelphia Flyers. And then to wrap things up, I'll go over a report that Chris Vosters has emerged as the leading candidate to replace the great Pat Foley in the Blackhawks broadcast booth. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Friday, March 4th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast today and you like what you're hearing, then please be sure first to go and follow the podcast. It'll only take a quick click of the button, and it'll help me out tremendously. And you can also go and leave me a review for the podcast if you want to as well. It's all absolutely for free. Wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., it's all absolutely for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not watching the video version of this episode already, then be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Each and every episode from here on out, folks, is going to have a video version attached to it as well. So if you haven't gone and check out, checked out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube yet, please go and show me some, some, some support. Go and subscribe to the channel. It'll help me out tremendously. Go and turn on those push notifications, and you can know exactly when the episode is posted to YouTube each and every day. All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. And to open things up this morning, let's begin by getting into the Blackhawks' 4-3 to overtime victory last night against the Edmonton Oilers. And of course, not only was it Nicholas Jalmerson's legacy night, great to see good old number four back in the building, and also, not only was it Duncan Keith's first time back at the UC since being acquired by the Oilers in the offseason. But Captain Jonathan Taves, Tyler Johnson, Calvin DeHaan, and Riley Stillman all made their returns to the lineup last night as well. A ton of storylines heading into this one. Um, but going back to Jalmerson's uh, legacy night, really awesome and, and really well done. A bunch of cool moments, one in particular, um, not only you know, was the video tribute very heartwarming and, you know, the pregame celebration was well um, deserving for Jalmerson and everything he did for this team. Uh, but I thought it was really cool to have both Duncan Keith now on the Oilers, of course, and Jonathan Taves squaring off for the ceremonial puck drop with Hammer being the one to drop the puck. I thought, you know, that that was super cool and kind of had me all in my feelings before this one got underway, seeing a big part of the old band getting back together. Uh, and Keith as well got another video tribute during the first TV timeout. So everything I thought was just very well done by the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, to 
make this an extra special night at the UC. Both Hammer and Keith, as I said, they deserve all the respect in the world for everything they did to help the Blackhawks win three Stanley Cups. Uh, And it was also nice to see the Blackhawks pick up a victory on such a special occasion. And this game, it got off to a roaring start last night in the first period, folks, before uh, things kind of began to settle down a little bit. Less than three minutes into the game, the Blackhawks actually wound up striking first, which, um, as you all should know by now, is pretty essential for this team to pick up a victory. The Hawks haven't won a game in which they didn't score first since way back in early January against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it always seems important for this team to score the first goal, and they did just that last night, less than three minutes into the game. And the fourth line was the ones who actually chipped in for a goal here, coming ready to play right out of the gate. Carpenter wins a board battle, and then uh, Kurashev sneaks the puck down low to Sam Lafferty, kicks it to a stick, and beats Koskinen for a second goal as a member of the Blackhawks and his first since way back on January 26th against the Detroit Red Wings. So well over a month since Lafferty had his last tuck. And Sammy, my boy top six Sam, who's actually been bottom six fourth fourth line Sam here as of late, uh, he was a menace all over the ice last night. He only finished with 10 minutes of ice time, but I thought he made the most of each and every shift and was uh, buzzing around out there doing some good work, as did that entire fourth line for the majority of the game, honestly. Um, so nice to see Lafferty finally get rewarded for his strong play as of late, uh, his second goal of the season, as I said. And with the secondary assist, Ryan Carpenter shockingly now has four points in his last six games. How about that, folks? Uh, hopefully, you know, that'll just be upping his trade value a little bit. Give us a first-round pick for Carpy, baby. He's an, office, an offensive wizard, I promise. Um, so that put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing early on in this contest. But Edmonton, a common theme throughout the course of this game, Edmonton would respond right back. Uh, this one came on the power play. And as I talked about on the show yesterday when previewing this matchup, I said the Hawks needed to stay disciplined against the Oilers' ninth-ranked offense and third-ranked power play, Um, but they did the exact opposite early on. In this one, they took two too many men on the ice penalties in the opening 20 minutes and on the second. Edmonton wound up cashing in with a goal from uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, who could have guessed, to tie the game up one-to-one. The Hawks, though, the final five minutes of this first period was insane. Um, The Hawks answered right back to regain their lead uh, late in the period. Caleb Jones made a beautiful play, recognizing the situation in front of him, pinched up along the boards to keep the play alive, uh, and then Strom grabbed the puck out of midair and set up Kaner for the one-timer to put the Blackhawks back up ahead by a score of 2-1. to That was Kaner's 17th goal of the season and now his sixth in the last seven games. So uh, even though, you know, it was um, Patrick Kane was really struggling there for quite a while to find the back of the net, still on pace for well over 20 goals a season and could even reach 30, which is kind of funny that everyone's considering this to be a down year for Patrick Kane. But here he is finally coming alive, uh, and it's nice to see him finding the back of the net a little bit more regularly, regularly like we've seen uh, as of late. Uh, and Caleb Jones, a great pinch there. He had a phenomenal game, by the way, I thought. Um, Made some great plays in transition, recognized what the Blackhawks had, and that goal would not have been possible without him uh, pinching pinching in along the boards. That put the Blackhawks back up ahead 2-1. to Uh, But 
with less than 30 seconds or less than a minute with just about 30 seconds to go in the first. Patrick Kane giveth and Patrick Kane take it away, folks. Uh, Patty Kane, I don't really know what he was doing on this play. Uh, it was a four-on-four scenario. He's carrying the puck into the offensive zone, turns it over at the blue line, didn't recognize that Caleb Jones had jumped up in transition to make that an odd man rush. And after Kane turned the puck over, he kind of just glided around the ice, and that gave the Oilers uh, a two-on-one with Leon Dreisaitl, not what you want to allow. Uh, and he made a nice pass to find the other Kane, the wrong Kane of Vander on that two-on-one to tie the score up once again in the final minute of the, sec- uh, the first period. Just a completely unacceptable goal to surrender by the Hawks right before the intermission. And it really seems like the Hawks have been on the wrong end of those type of momentum goals far too many times this season. And another instance when they were guilty of um, not playing from from start to finish. Um, there was no reason for them not to go into the first intermission with the lead. Patrick Kane gets sloppy, doesn't get back in transition, and the Oilers make him pay. This thing was tied up 2-2 two to two after 20 minutes. After that chaotic first period, though, things did uh, finally begin to settle down on both ends a little bit. Uh, there was no scoring in the second period, even though the Hawks were definitely the better team in, in that frame. Um, and then just a couple of minutes into the third, Miko Koskinen handed Dominic Kubelik an absolute gift after robbing him a couple of times earlier on in the game. Koskinen played the puck behind his own net and literally threw it right to Dominic Kubelik. I actually have no idea what he was trying to do here. Uh, gave Kubi a wide open net for his 11th goal of the year, and that put the Blackhawks back ahead 3-2. to two. And funny enough, uh, that goal from Kubelik snapped an 11-game goal drought for him, and the last time he scored a goal was actually January 26th against the Detroit Red Wings as well, um, which, of course, Sam Lafferty, that's when his last goal came. And that was also the last time that Jonathan Taves suited up for the Blackhawks. So I, I just kind of found that to be a bit interesting how Taser comes back and now both Lafferty and Kubelik find the back of the net for the first time since he's been out. Uh, it's like Taser gave them permission to start scoring goals here again. Um, but that put the Blackhawks ahead 3-2. to two. Uh, They were a little shaky in the first few minutes of the third, but in those final 10 minutes, I thought they responded really well. They came with a strong push. They kept their foot on the gas. They weren't caught completely on their heels and surrendering a ton of high danger opportunities to the Oilers. No, they they actually played pretty well down the stretch. Just unfortunately, with Miko Koskinen off for the extra attacker, Seth Jones kind of had a sequence to forget about. First, he flubbed on his clearing attempt to get the puck out of the defensive zone and then uh, just seconds later, Evander Kane gets the puck down low. He goes to center it. Jones sticks his stick out and puck bounces off it and goes past Flurry. And just like that, this game's tied up three to three, heading into overtime. A, a real tough break there for Seth. Um, although he does need to get that puck out of the zone. The Blackhawks have given up, I believe. This is the fifth time this season the Blackhawks have given up a goal to the opposition when they have their goaltender off for the extra attacker. And on the flip side, the Hawks have scored with the extra attacker only once this season, actually twice. Um, oh, six on five, I believe. Um, they haven't scored, according to Ben Pope, since the second game of the season against New Jersey. So Blackhawks have been on the wrong end of that. Need to tighten things up late, especially when they had such a good effort in the third period. Um, but fortunately, 
The Hawks would go on to get this one, get the job done in overtime. And Caleb Jones, once again, uh, he picked up his brother Seth after he kind of had a tough sequence that forced this one into OT. Caleb picks up his older brother. A tremendous game, really, from Caleb Jones. He drew the penalty in OT that got the Blackhawks the four on three advantage. He also, as I mentioned already, picked up a secondary assist on Patrick Kane's goal. That now gives Caleb four points in the last four games. So, even though he was pretty atrocious against St. Louis on Sunday. Uh, he has been playing pretty well for the most part. That was just kind of one game to forget about. But on that four-on-three advantage, of course, Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit, uh, who else would go on to connect for the Blackhawks to lift the team to victory? And that was Dabrinkit's 30th goal of the season for the GWG. That's now good for seventh in the entire NHL. Uh, and Kane... He picks up two points on the night, a goal and an assist, and that now gives him 19 points, eight goals and 11 assists in his last 13 games. So um, the Stars get the job done for the Blackhawks in OT. It wasn't pretty, but the Blackhawks pick up a 4-3 to three win to uh, over the Edmonton Oilers to wrap up their six-game homestand on a high note. It's only their second win in their last 10 games at the UC. Hopefully, they'll be able to pick up more wins in Chicago down the stretch of the season. Uh, but we'll take them any way we can get them. A nice victory, especially uh, during Nicholas Jalmerson's legacy night and with a couple notable Blackhawks making their return to the lineup. All right, there is a full recap of the Hawks. 4-3 win over Edmonton last night. Coming up in just a minute, I am going to get into a quick preview of tomorrow afternoon's matchup with the Philadelphia Flyers. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or even eating healthier, then you need to make sure to include Built Bar in your plan because right now, you can get the best of both worlds with Built Bar. Delicious and healthy. And so many flavors, you'll actually have a hard time choosing. Are you going to go with raspberry or mint brownie? Coconut almond? or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. Either way you choose, Built Bar is going to make it easier to stick to your resolution because they taste so good, you'll actually want to eat them, unlike some other protein bars, which can be chalky, dry, waxy, or even just taste like a chemical spill. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is also good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer, go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the exclusive promo code LOCKED15. That's one word LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks, getting into segment two now on the show this morning. I also wanted to be sure to provide a quick preview over the Blackhawks' next matchup coming tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock Central Time against the Philadelphia Flyers out in Philadelphia. And interestingly enough, when kind of doing some research on this matchup, I found out that aside from Patrick Kane's Game 6 Stanley Cup winner, against the Flyers in Philadelphia. The Blackhawks have not won a game in Philly since November 9th, 1996. That's before I was even born, folks. The Hawks haven't won a regular season game 
in Philadelphia in nearly 26 years. But they'll be looking to snap that streak tomorrow against a struggling Flyers team, to put it nicely. Philadelphia, not the way many people thought this season was going to go for them. They come into this one with the fifth worst record in the entire NHL at 16 28 and 10. Only Buffalo, Seattle, Montreal, and Arizona have fewer points than the Flyers do right now. Uh, and also, Looking at how the Flyers have fared recently, since the start of February, they only have two wins. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10 games overall. And one thing I noticed, too, when the Flyers do lose in each of those eight losses in their last 10 meetings, they've given up three or more goals in all of those. The two wins that they have, they've surrendered one in each. So um, if the Blackhawks, if they're able to find the back of the net consistently tomorrow, I like their odds. Um, and if if there is a, a time for the Blackhawks to snap this absurd losing streak that they have to the Flyers out in Philly, this seems to be like a pretty good time. Um, but honestly, when uh, looking at the statistics from these two teams, it's kind of weird how uh, oddly similar they are. The Blackhawks are currently 30th in the NHL in goals per game, and the Flyers are 29th. Then the Hawks are 24th in the league in goals allowed. And the Flyers are 25th. Both teams also are ranked in the bottom seven teams in the league on the penalty kill. Uh, The only difference really is that uh, the Blackhawks are 15th in the NHL on the power play at 20%, while the Flyers are all the way down to 30th. So based on looking at those stats, pretty clear this is uh, another matchup between two of the bottom feeders in the NHL this season. Uh, And knowing that, First, this seems like it's going to be a pretty good opportunity for uh, Kevin Lankinen to make his second start since returning from injury. Lank or Flurry got the start last night versus the Oilers, obviously, um, and this just seems like a good matchup to give Lankinen some more reps. And he actually earned his uh, first victory in his first game back last Friday night against the New Jersey Devils, although. <laughs> He did allow five goals in the process, so he'll be looking to tighten things up a little bit here more tomorrow if he does, in fact, uh, wind up getting the start like I expect. Um, but for Lankinen, it's it's been a tough sophomore season for him, undoubtedly, not only because he's been injury-plagued and he missed a lot of time through January and February, um, but also in his 12 starts so far this season, Lankinen has given up three or more goals in nine of them. So. Uh, If he wants to turn things around here down the stretch, this seems like as good a time as any to start heading things in a positive direction. As for the rest of the Blackhawks lineup tomorrow in this lowly matchup between two bottom feeders, as I said, uh, I don't think there's going to be any lineup changes personally, assuming that everyone who rejoined the lineup yesterday is going to remain healthy. Um, I really think that Kinger is probably going to roll with the same group here once again. Um, I think Gustafson is in line to be the odd man out on D yet again. And then for Henrik Borgstrom, who was healthy scratch last night as well, um, I just don't see him drawing back into the lineup when that fourth line of Kurashev, Carpenter, and Lafferty had a really strong showing and also chipped in for a goal. Um, And then with Taze and Johnson back, that kind of slots. Hagel down on the third line. I don't see him drawn out of the lineup, obviously. 
Um, maybe Mackenzie Entwistle could come out for Borgstrom, but I really do like Entwistle's physicality and his uh, speed as well. Borgstrom really hasn't done enough to be in the lineup over Entwistle at this point. So uh, if I had to guess, I do think we will see the exact same forward lines and defensive pairings from Derrick King as we saw in the Hawks' 4-3 overtime win over the Oilers last night. All right, there is a quick preview of tomorrow afternoon's matchup with the Philadelphia Flyers. This is going to be a 2 p.m. Central Time puck drop on ABC. Coming up in just a moment, I will also get into the report that Chris Vosters has emerged as the leading candidate to replace Pat Foley in the Blackhawks broadcast booth. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has way more odds and info for both pro and college hoops as things begin to ramp up. From game scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. And it's not just basketball. From the NHL, UFC, and boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three now, before I let you all go and enjoy your weekends, I also had to be sure to quickly go over the recent report that Chris Vosters has emerged as the leading candidate to replace the great Pat Foley in the Blackhawks broadcast booth. Yesterday, multiple reports and articles came out about this topic, Foster's emerging as the top candidate to replace Pat. Um, And actually, going back to the Blackhawks town hall meeting that they had on February 2nd, which of course became an absolute disaster thanks to old man Rocky Wirtz and his comments towards uh, Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson. Um, the news of the news that came out earlier in that town hall meeting of uh, the organization beginning to close in on Foley's replacement that kind of got overshadowed due to everything that Rocky Wirtz said. Um, but with this recent report coming out now, it sure seems like the decision for the next play-by-play guy for the Chicago Blackhawks is going to come sometime rather soon. And according to Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun Times. The top four candidates at the moment are Vosters, of course, Jason Ross, Steven Nelson, and Mike Monaco. Although for Monaco, um, I did read that he kind of has some commitments with ESPN, so might make things a little bit tricky naming him as Foley's replacement in the future. Um, so kind of knowing that, it really seems like the Hawks are down to only three candidates here in Vosters. Nelson and Ross, all of which have honestly no BS. Those have been my three favorite people who have stepped in for Pat so far this season. Um, Personally, I thought Steven Nelson was the best, and I thought he was just the most natural in that position with the game of hockey, even though he's mostly known for his MLB stuff. Um, I thought he was the most natural fit there, and he just meshed well with the broadcast team and um, with Colby Cohen. But I really did think. Vosters and Jason Ross as well, um, both come in as a close second right behind him. Um, I, I don't think really 
the Blackhawks organization could go wrong here in this situation. To me, all of those three candidates are more than adequate fits to replace Pat Foley in the booth. Um, for Vosters, though, uh, I do think he has a great voice and a strong call. My only thing I don't like is uh, what he says when the Hawks score a goal. It's not really like a catchy, high action phrase or anything like, you know, Pat Foley, he scores. I think Vosters has to work on that a little bit and a goal. Not really great, um, but that's obviously uh, something he can work on. I do think he's, you know, a funny guy. He's got a great social media presence, which the Blackhawks obviously think is important as well. They just had Kyle Davidson uh, Instagram living his day in the life of a general manager. So obviously that's important for the Blackhawks uh, to have in their next man. Vosters checks off all of those boxes. Um, so I, I do believe, you know, he's going to be a great fit if he does wind up being the guy. And I was also really glad to hear that uh, Jason Ross is kind of in the mix as well. Even if he doesn't get the job, it sounds like the organization is wanting to have him on uh, in some capacity going forward, whether that be on the radio with uh, John Weidman's future kind of being up in the air or just as a replacement uh, from time to time for Vosters when he's unavailable. And I mean... I didn't even know Jason Ross was 23 years old until I met him. I met him at Blackhawks practice recently. Super nice guy. Uh, we had a nice little short conversation. He was very um, welcoming to me. Just an overall really nice dude who obviously knows a lot about the game. But I didn't know he was so young until I met him. I'm like, dude, you're 23 and killing it in the broadcast booth already? Like, obviously just a natural talent. And I think the Hawks and a bunch of other places like uh, the Big Ten Network uh, where he's freelanced. Um, and a couple other places as well. I think they recognize that he's only going to get better and better as time goes on and as he gains more experience. So uh, I'm excited about Jason possibly being in the mix as well. And it just seems like the Hawks' future in the broadcast booth um, is in good hands going forward with any one of those three candidates. I love Pat Foley. I grew up on Pat and Eddie. That's all I really know. Um, but when you hear Pat call games, I mean, if you listen to the call last night, I can't lie to you. It was pretty darn bad. I mean, Pat made like 10 blunders. I was like, dude, it's getting bad. I love Pat, but it's probably time for him to go. And I feel like any of those three candidates are going to be good fill-ins for him. Um, time will tell, you know, how that really goes. But from based on from what I've heard in small examples uh, so far throughout the season, I like all three of those candidates. Um, it sounds like Vosters and Ross are a little bit more set in stone at the moment than Nelson is. Not really sure how they view Steven Nelson at this point. Obviously, they like him enough to include him in the final candidates. Um, but it seems like Vosters and Ross are the two they're really connecting to a little bit more. Nothing is finalized right now, um, but I'm sure we're going to hear plenty more on this situation coming up in the next couple of weeks. Chris Vosters seems to be the leading candidate for the next play-by-play -play man for the Chicago Blackhawks, and Jason Ross is expected to be somewhere in the mix as well, whether that be on the radio or just as a fill-in in in the future on NBC Sports Chicago. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Friday, March 4th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey as hosts Steele Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. 
It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until Monday's episode, everyone, please go enjoy your weekend. It's supposed to be like 70 degrees tomorrow, so get outside, go have some fun, enjoy your weekends, and thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.